Yes, very good. I'll have a Bloody Mary and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich, please. Welcome to the Hollywood and Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 134 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. This week we talk with Alexandria O'Philippe, the director of a great new film about the making of Alien. He's much more than a fan, though, and his new film, Memory, The Origins of Alien, shows why the movie remains one of the greatest sci-fi thrillers of all time, no questions asked. Alien fans are in for a real treat. You know, few movies have stirred the cultural pot quite like Joker, and the film isn't even in theaters yet. At first, the movie treating Batman's arch nemesis sounded like a break from the usual CGI stuff. Hey, this is new, this is fresh, it's got Joaquin Phoenix. What could be better? He's probably the most unconventional actor around. I don't think I get many arguments about that. And he's good. And of course, the early reviews were wonderful. They said, hey, all that Oscar buzz, it's for real. And then slowly, the tides started to turn on Joker. Turns out the film is problematic, irresponsible and maybe even dangerous. Why? Well, it shows a deeply troubled guy getting insane and violent, and given the real real violence all around us, well, that's a problem according to some social critics. Again, why? We see plenty of movies and TV shows that highlight really disturbed individuals. I'm pretty sure we watched about five or six seasons of Breaking Bad with a real crook at the core, and then there's Sopranos. We were rooting for those guys, and they were terrible human beings. It's just what we do. All this kerfuffle actually reminded me of Halloween, not the one from last year, but Rob Zombie's reboot from a few years back. That one showed the young Michael Myers and all the abuse he suffered kind of helped explain why he became the monster he was. I didn't think that was a very good movie. I'm not even sure that was a great approach. I'd rather have a bit of mystery behind the scenes, but no one was uh, clutching their pearls over that particular film. So what changed? Well, I think part of it is the whole comic book movie culture. We obsess over these films. We talk about them. We share clips from them. We examine every bit of info that comes our way. We're just absolutely enthralled with these kind of movies, especially this one, which attempts to kind of go in a new, fresh, maybe even bold direction. Now, we've also had months and months to talk about it. This is one of the most anticipated movies in quite some time. Uh, We've just been teased endlessly about this movie. And I guess at some point, the cultural conversation has to move, has to evolve. Sometimes it gets a bit toxic, too. There's also an ideological component to this whole discussion, and I break it down a bit at the new Daily Wire piece I have up. But I wanted to focus more on another element of the story, because I think it's even more important. It's called creative expression. Artists have the right to tell the stories they want to tell. You know, one of the things I do is when they're hopelessly biased and political and clumsy, I'll call them out. But I never, ever say that movie shouldn't be made or it should be pulled or for some reason people shouldn't be allowed to watch it. I That's just wrong. And I feel like we're inching toward that territory with this Joker debate. I've seen a few too many movie reviews of the Joker saying, The film shouldn't have been released or made or that it's irresponsible, that this is the wrong time. I 
I don't know. I, I think that's up to the producers, the people behind the scenes, the studio, and finally the audience. You know, if the Joker makes the main character a hero, I think a lot of people will be turned off by it. Yes, they love the character. He's fun. like to see him fight Batman. But at the end of the day, he is the bad guy. We want Batman to prevail. So I don't think we mind watching his creation and seeing how, how twisted it was. But at the end of the day, we want to see the good guys win. I, I don't think that's changed, even though the culture has changed. I also suspect some social critics are reading a bit more into the Joker film that they've been able to see prior to most of us than actually is in the story. Of course, we'll all be able to judge for ourselves starting October 4th when the Joker hits theaters nationwide. And that's the way it ought to be. You know what this is? A commercial? Right! And you know what that means! <gasps> Time for a snack? Wrong! I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can! Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. And now here's the hit tweet of the week. This week's winner is Tom Arnold, the stand-up comic, occasional actor, and just an all-around jerk on social media. Boy, when you read his tweet, it's really ugly. Well, he's trying to get on the whistleblower bandwagon given what's happening in the news these days, but it didn't quite work out the way he planned. Here's his quote, and I'll explain more. Whistleblowers, welcome home. Hashtag the hunt for the Trump tapes begins Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. at Viceland. Hashtag Trump tapes. Well, as is often the case with Tom Arnold, there's a catch. This is Tom retweeting Tom. He sent this tweet out a while ago, last year even, as he was promoting his Viceland TV show. But the show has since been canceled and, spoiler alert, they didn't find any Trump tapes. Nice cell phone, Tom. Take a bow. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. My hit tip of the week is yesterday. You know, movie sleepers are less and less common these days. It's so often where little films, maybe they get rediscovered in home video, but they rarely break through like certain films did for years and years. I remember when I first moved to Denver, gosh, about 12 years ago, the movie once came out and that movie stayed around and stayed around. I remember I would drive by the local theater and it stayed on the marquee forever. And that was a true sleeper, a movie that really caught our imagination, a wonderful movie. And I just feel like less and less films are falling into that category. But this summer we did get one that I think is a certified sleeper. It's called Yesterday from Danny Boyle, a wonderful director. And that movie did pretty well at the box office. 73 million that is rock solid, especially when you've got no big stars, no special effects, and it's a deeply original story. The film follows a singer-songwriter who can't catch a break until a cosmic event comes along and wipes out the memory of every Beatles song from everyone on the planet, except for this singer-songwriter. Is that ridiculous? Absolutely, it's absurd. But that's a setup, you got to roll with it, and I think the movie makes the best of it. Now, our hero knows these songs. He's a singer-songwriter, so he starts performing them. And, of course, he becomes an overnight sensation because it's the Beatles, and they made great song after great song. But what about his gal pal? 
She's played by the enchanting Lily James. She seems to like him an awful lot, and he seems oblivious. Now, he's getting fame and fortune. Will that interrupt their possible romance? And is there a chance that someone else on planet Earth remembers the Beatles, too? And they're going to call this guy out on it. Now, I have to say, as much as I enjoyed yesterday, the third act, God, it's a letdown. It really just doesn't really wrap the circle like you want it to. But up until then, it's charming. It's individual. It's unique. It also, to me, reminded me, oh, my gosh, not only are all those Beatles songs great, but these were guys in their early 20s writing very sophisticated lyrics. They had a grasp of the human condition. I think we don't pay enough attention to it. Yes, the songs are great. They're catching. I, it, you, there are all the reasons why the Beatles are so... And we love them so much. But those songs, those lyrics, this movie brings attention to them all over again. It's one of the best things about the film. Now, Yesterday is not on the big streaming services quite yet, but it is available right now on home video. I recommend you give it a look. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. I met this week's HitCast guest years ago right here in Denver. Alexandra O'Philippe was promoting The People vs. George Lucas at the time. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good, smart documentary about fans turning on George Lucas pretty hard after those terrible prequels. Now, this was before The Whole Force Awakens and George Lucas signed away the franchise. This was back when he was still in charge and getting a lot of flack. really enjoyed talking to Alexandra, and I kind of hope we chat again someday, but turns out it's happening now. Now, I've been tracking his career ever since that People vs. George Lucas film, and he's done really cool stuff, different documentaries, unique takes on pop culture, examining zombie movies, and all sorts of different things. And the one film I haven't seen yet, but I'm going to probably make it up very soon, is called 7852. It's a deep dive into the classic shower scene from Psycho. And by the way, those numbers reference the number of shots and cuts that sequence required. Really cool title. I just can't wait to see it. It's getting rave reviews and has for quite some time. But his new film looks at another film classic. The film is called Memory, The Origins of Alien. Of course, tackling the 1979 classic in a way that's unique and very much what Alexandra brings to the table. It looks at how the movie Monster was created and how these different artists, they maybe clashed in certain ways. and Maybe the studio didn't want this one or that one involved. But when they all came together working on one vision, man, it's just movie history, nothing less. Now, Memory is hitting theaters and on-demand services October 4th, so you don't want to miss that. But for now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alexandra O'Philippe. Well, Alexandra, I want to explore the origin of Memory, your film, because from what I understand, it began as a real deep dive into the chestburster scene, an amazing sequence, and then it expanded a bit. Obviously, the, the film touches on much more than that sequence, although it really does a lot with it as well. How did this sort of evolution happen for you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it was really sort of an organic uh, uh, process. And I, you know, when we started sort of going in that direction, I was just really essentially really curious to see, you know, can you can you crack open the chest burster uh, in, in the same way that, you know, we did the uh, the psycho shower scene in, in 1752. And I very quickly realized you, you really can't. I mean, those are very different scenes, even though there's a lot of similarities you know this idea of the the horror in a very safe 
place in a very brightly lit space. They both happen, you know, pretty much around the middle of the film. So there's a lot of similarities, but they're very different because I think Alien and Psycho resonate with audiences for very different reasons. I think Alien, Alien was not supposed to be a success, (laughs) you know, in 1979. But it was because it tapped into ideas and images that I feel we didn't want to see, but that we needed to see. And so it's it's a film that really resonates, I think, with us and still does because it's a film that taps into our ancient past, into mythology, into really sort of old, old, um, you know, fears uh, and ideas. And so it it really quickly dawned on me that if I were to take that path, um, I would have pretty much ended up having a, uh, you know, a behind the scenes documentary, which, as you know, is not what I do. Um, And so so the moment I realized, oh, okay, so this is basically a mythological film about Alien. uh, That's where all the doors started opening. And that's when I met Diane O'Bannon, who you know, very graciously opened dance archives uh, for the very first time. And uh, of course, Carmen Giger and had access to the, the, the Giger archives. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's what memory is. It's, it's, it's also really a film about, I mean, I think there's a very heavy focus on Dan O'Bannon. I mean, speaking of origins um, and I think Dan has always been the forgotten hero of the unsung hero of, uh, of alien. Yeah. You know, they, this, I guess the saying goes, it's a film is a director's medium. But one of the many reasons why I love memory is because it shows that collaboration of Dan O'Bannon and Giger and right. Ridley Scott and all these different forces coming together for the greater good to make something just powerful where if one of those pieces disappears, it isn't the same movie. And, and you know, yeah. memory talks real directly about how Giger was in, that he was out, that he was in. Mm. And his vision is so critical to the story. Did you – did? Did that theme sort of emerge during the production or, or once you expanded the campus, the canvas, did you, was that sort of a focus you wanted to kind of dig into? Yeah. I mean, you know, once I realized that that first sort of direction was, wasn't going to work, you know, I had to regroup. I had to sort of rethink what is the angle of attack, you know, the angle of attack, uh, dramatically speaking, you know, dictates everything. And it's, it's what dictates, you know, what the structure is going to be, what the narrative is going to be, and therefore what you are going to include and exclude from the narrative, because there's, there's a hundred or a thousand different ways that you can make a film about alien. And so, so it very quickly became apparent here that memory was going to be about the triptych, if you will, the Dan O'Bannon Giger, and Ridley Scott, this sort of symbiosis that happened between those three. I mean, the film, the argument of, you know, of memory is that Alien needed, uh, you know, first of all, Dan O'Bannon to ingest all of those B-movies and comic books and, uh, you know, that fear of insects, all of, you know, this passion for Lovecraft, all of those things were part of the spark. And they're all in Alien. They're all apparent in that. But he needed... He needed an artist, a visionary artist like Giger, to take that to a level that we hadn't seen before. Because the story of Alien exists and has existed in the B-Realm for a long time. You look at It, the Terror from Beyond Space, Queen of Blood, Planet of the the Vampires. You look at comic books. 
like Seed of you know Seeds of Jupiter from 1951, the EC Comics, to Defiled from Death Rattle 1971, which is uh, you know an underground sci-fi, uh, well underground horror really, uh, you know comic. Um, that story was out there. It just couldn't break through into the air realm, and so you, you needed not just a Dan O'Bannon, but you needed that sort of vision, visionary. Uh, art, if you will. And you also needed Ridley Scott, who was on the frequency for that, who, who, who realized what he had and who was able to execute that vision in the way that he did. Yeah. You remove yeah. any of those three, you don't have Alien. And we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yeah, great point. Uh, one thing I think you've touched upon, maybe in under interviews, that you can't deep dive into the movie. There's, there's so many other things to work on. Is the poster and the marketing. Now, I'm 51. And I remember that poster. I remember those letters emerging. I remember the egg. And all of it was magical. Now, back then, we didn't have the sort of the cultural noise that we have now. Maybe that's right. why it jumped out more. But can you talk? I know it's, a, it's slightly off topic, but not really. Talk about that marketing because I, I think that was part of the magic. Uh, you mean the, the the poster that came out in 1979? Yeah, the egg yeah. And, and, oh, oh. in space. No one <laughs> can hear you scream. I mean – it was genius, yeah. I think. Almost, almost as yeah, talented like, as the film itself. No, I, I well, it, and it's funny you mentioned that because when I was uh, when I was uh, a, a kid, my very first, you know, because people, of course, ask me a lot now. You know, what's your first memory of Alien? And and my first memory is the poster. I had a um, I had a friend that you know I, I, I you know one of my best friends at the time. You know, I, I had many many sleepovers there, and and he had uh, you know the original one sheet poster from from Alien. And so I, I, I just remember be, just being obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the tagline, it, it, you know, I mean, talk about the fear of the unknown, which is really what Alien is about. It, it gives you this instant sort of fear, this dread of you want to see the film, but you know that, oh, my gosh, if I watch this thing, you know, it's going to transform me, you know. Yeah. And so I, I actually, even though I was a, a, a horror, you know, movie buff, uh, you know, back then, I still waited a few years to actually watch it because I was dreading it so much. Uh, <laughs> that's Perfect poster, you know. <laughs> yeah. It did its job. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that's interesting about today's culture is that we're recycling everything. I just said there's a new Battlestar Galactica that's coming soon. Everything gets rebooted. And what you kind of intimated before was that this movie was sort of a compendium of all these different pop culture influences, the comic books, the, the mythology, the art. And I guess you could say, you know, recycling isn't bad if it created Alien. Do, do you think that what happens with the recycling today is, is much more... I guess um, simplistic or maybe even pragmatic as opposed to what happened with alien. Well, the, it, you know, the recycling has to be coherent and, and, you know, I, I recycling is one thing, but, but, but I think it's how you recycle um, and, and how do you give it um, artistic unity and integrity? I think that is the key. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that is completely the difference between a masterpiece like alien and the kind of stuff that you see. And you feel like this doesn't hold together, you know, but, but again, you know, and this goes back to what we were saying about, you know, I, I think that, you know, Dan O'Bannon had been working on that story for, I mean, look, I, you know, you look at the or, original script, which is, uh, you know, titled Memory, which is only 30 pages, you know, that dates back to 1971. I mean, he'd been work- 
working on this for for eight years and thinking about ideas and brainstorming and 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 you, you needed uh, again a Scott and a Giger to give it this sort of like uh, you know this 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 to make it this perfect object that it is even though there are ideas and stories or storylines that you recognize from other you know previous works i think you look at alien and clearly it is it is a full piece of art that stands by itself and that is still completely wholly original mm-hmm. because of the people who you know who managed to bring it to life so uh so yeah i mean i think that's probably the difference and i think some people still do it very well today um but i think yeah i think we're in a, in a different age now you know i think movies like alien that are going to have this kind of cultural impact that are going to make people you know throw up in the theater and run out to the bathroom um i don't know when we're going to see that next one and it's kind of a it's kind of sad you know well this is going to be a kind of a broad question but i'm, I'm going to throw it out there anyway mm-hmm. you've seen alien you've loved alien you've poured your heart into this movie is yep. there a particular part of the original alien film that you appreciate much more now having gone through this entire process. Hmm. Oh, man. Um, and uh, while you think about that, I want to give you one of my thoughts. Would you put yeah. in the movie, which I love for it, There's <laughs> you talk about how the sequence when they're all around the table and they're eating and the, the dialogue is overlapping and it's sleepy and it's a little yeah. bit lazy. They just woke up from their big cult, you know, their big sleep. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie because to me it was so <laughs> real and raw and natural. And I think yeah. that element is beautiful. So that's that's something that I appreciate more as an older person. Whereas <laughs> a kid, I didn't care. It was just a wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean the pacing. The pacing is is exquisite. And I think you know, as as Terry Rawlings, uh, you know, mentions in 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 my film, you know, they were really uh, they were really sort of pushing the envelope to see how far they could take it in terms of slowness. You know, which is which is remarkable. But it's also you know. It's also, I think, those details of, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't really thinking about this idea of the, the quote-unquote rain in space. You know, these uh, moments of, uh, you know, these dir- directorial touches that that Ridley Scott added, you know, this idea that pretty much everybody on the crew said, you, you know, you can't have, you know, rain uh, <laughs> in space. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and that Scott would basically say, look, it looks great. <laughs> And that's that's all I care about. And 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 it's fascinating because, you know, and again, I think it goes back to your earlier question. When you create a reality that is so solid, that is so complete, uh, in a way you don't question it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it to me, there's a relationship actually here between this and Psycho because there's a shot in Psycho which is actually very similar to this. And that's when Mother opens the curtain. And if you pause it, you know, obviously this is – it's Margot Epper in blackface because we're in a black, brightly lit bathroom and, and, you know, he didn't want to reveal, mm-hmm. you know, who mother is. But but your brain never thinks for one second, wait a second, I'm in a brightly lit bathroom. I should be able to see her face. The shot itself doesn't make sense, just like the rain in space doesn't make sense. And yet you accept it, you buy it. It's a magic trick. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. I, it, to me, after I saw Alien – Every other monster-like movie that came after it tried to mimic the creature, and no one has come close. Uh, the movie oh. really breaks this down in a beautiful fashion. But just give us a quick tease about the elements of that creature that were so profound and so mystifying. Because 
I don't want to spoil the movie, but tease it for us because that's <laughs> so important to this film is the look of that creature. Well, I mean, I think, you know, as far as the xenomorph is concerned, I mean, I think there's uh, the thing that's remarkable and really, quite frankly, completely unique to, to Alien is the fact that that the xenomorph pretty much existed um, in the form that we know it before even Ridley Scott was hired to direct Alien. I mean, it you know, you look at the paintings um, uh, Necronom 4 by Giger, which is from his Necronomicon, and it's the alien. It just has eyes, and you remove the eyes, and you've got exactly the alien that we have in the film, pretty much. So um, so there's, I think there's a real sort of poetry to this, this idea that, that you know, the creature existed and was almost, in a way, sort of waiting for the right story to attach itself you know um it's kind of creepy in a way too you know but then you know the chestburster you know and and that was actually the one story that um um got me really excited to continue when i when i started going down the quote-unquote wrong path you know in making this film was uh, i i kept thinking about the story of ridley scott showing the triptych by francis bacon called three studies for figures at the base of a crucifixion it's a long title but he showed that triptych to uh to giger and basically as inspiration you know he, he felt like this was a, a great starting point for the design of the chest burster um and, and and you know there's there's so much there in that moment i mean of course you know it was probably you know a, a gut thing it was probably unconscious but when you start digging a little bit deeper and you realize that francis bacon that basically those three figures are actually the furies from you know greek mythology uh that you know they kept showing up again and again and again in his work that he felt hunted and hunted by them uh, you know that's the kind of stuff for me as as someone who loves to dig deep into cinema and into you know, into our, our sort of collective unconscious. Um, I felt like, okay, I want to, I want to go there. I want to see what I find. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of that stuff that shows up in memory. Yeah. Uh, obviously the, the movie can tackle this subject. I was kind of curious from your perspective, personally, as a film lover, quick thoughts on the sequels. Is there one that you think stands out as a worthy, uh, I don't want to say competitor, but sort of a you know, sort of an addition. Any just general thoughts on on where the sog has gone? Because it's definitely pushed in very different directions. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, obviously, Aliens is is great. You know, it's it's um, you know, I, I don't think it carries the 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 significance of of the original, um, but I think it's 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 yeah, it's a phenomenal film. Uh, obviously, um, you know, I I tend to like Alien Three or Alien Cubed, uh, as some call it. Uh, you know, better than most. I think it's. I mean, you know, considering everything that it went through and in, in the writing process, I think it's pretty darn great. Um, I really struggle with the Genet uh, version. I think tonally, I just I I you know, to me, it doesn't jive. <laughs> Even though I'm a fan of. Of Jean-Pierre Genet, you know, um, Josh and then you know, agrees with you, by the way, <laughs> good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the new, um, you know, the, the new, to, to me, the, 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 you know, the fact that really Scott is going back to this universe now, um, you, you know, at this stage of his career, I think is really fascinating. You know, I, I can't say that I'm completely on board, but they're obviously, they're very well-made films. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I'm more interested in the fact that he does, feel that compulsion to go back to it again and again and again uh that to me i think is is almost more interesting than the films themselves hmm. you know yeah no good point 
But I guess we, <laughs> we can't expect a people versus Ridley Scott anytime soon. He hasn't. No, 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 no. They're, they, you know, they're they're pretty. I mean, look, he's still every film he makes. You know, you you whether you like them or not, the execution is pretty amazing still. Yeah. Uh, Looking at your film career, you've done zombie films, you've tackled Star Wars, Psycho, now Alien. Are there other classic films that intrigue you enough to kind of do this kind of deep dive again? Well, you know, we we just uh, finished a film on The Exorcist, which actually premiered at the Venice Film Festival two weeks ago. Oh gosh, I'm so, not aware of that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. There's, there's, yeah, no. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's not a, a widely um, a publicized fact yet, but uh, yeah. So that one just uh, premiered in Venice. We've got, uh, we've got some really big festivals coming up. I can't. I can't yet say where it's going to premiere in North America. I'll just say, you know, uh, just wait and see. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's uh, yeah. So that's a, and that's a very different film. It's a it's a it's a deep dive into The Exorcist, but completely from uh, William Friedkin's perspective. So it's uh, sort of like going into his mind's eye. I actually interviewed him for six days uh, on The Exorcist. Um, so it's um, and it's a very intimate portrait and i think anybody who knows the exorcist and everybody who you know the people who, who love william friedkin and I, I think that they're in for a surprise yeah one last question i think we touched on this before i'm going to maybe give it a little bit of a spin you said you don't you aren't sure that there are movies being made today that sort of have the love and passion that alien had you know brought to bear do you think that maybe someone like yourself might be doing this treatment to TV shows in 20 years? Maybe, maybe there'll be a Breaking Bad or a, a you know a Game of Thrones story with hmm. sort of the same sort of love that you pour into these movies. Uh, I mean, look, I, I'll never, I'll never say never. I mean, obviously, we're in a different uh, culture, and I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that there, are, there aren't. Um, uh, you know, series or movies that capture, you know, our collective imagination. I'm talking about, about movies and series that really have that sort of massive, emotional, completely surprising impact on us as audiences. Um, you know, here's my struggle with TV series. Cause look, I've, I've you know, I've been following, I've watched every episode of Game of Thrones, like pretty much everybody else, you know, out there. I, I, I um, and, and I want to try to be very careful when I say this, because I think there's, it does so much so well, mm-hmm. you know, it's a remarkable show. But my problem and the reason why I don't watch a ton of, of TV is because you get the feeling that a lot of these shows, they start, they get into it, but they have no, they don't know how it's going to end until you know several seasons later and then they try to figure out a way to end it you know to to me to me a a story and this is why i i will i will really primarily stick to features is that a, a story can only really completely work if you know what the ending is and how it's going to resonate with the audience because every single scene in the narrative has to essentially tend towards it mm-hmm. it has to lead towards it and i and i'm inevitably disappointed um by shows where you you invest six seven eight seasons into it and then you get the feeling in the last episode that they just kind of put a bow on it and wrapped it up because that was the best way that they could could do it but i feel like you know this is not the way it should work (laughs) you know um i mean i think to me any great story is uh, uh, it, it, there's a causality. There's a, there's a cause and effect relationship between story events, and this happens because this, 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 and that happened prior to that. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, so yeah, I, but all this to say, uh, you know, yeah, Game of Thrones is pretty amazing. There's some amazing moments in it. And it's, and it's, yeah, I think it's as close to an alien, um, culturally, I think as, as anything we've seen in the sense that everybody tuned in, everybody wanted to, you know, I guess it's like, it's like people reading, you know, Dickens back in the day and waiting for the next chapter to drop, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. that's a great point because I think when you think about the great series finales, it's a pretty short list. And maybe that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why, because it's sort of a cobble together. Oh, let's, let's, let's wrap this up now. But, uh, yeah. anyway, <laughs> Alien doesn't have that problem. Neither does memory. Thanks again, Alexandra, for joining the HitCast. The movie is memory, Pleasure. the origins of Alien. Great movie about a great movie. It's in theaters October 4th. If you've seen Alien and you love Alien, it's a must-see. It's also kind of the definitive look at what I consider the best science fiction film of its time. I, I think few people would argue with me, but uh, thanks again, and we hope to talk to you with uh, n- new movies down the road. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out HollywoodandToto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at HollywoodandToto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. In Jacksonville, you'll get more of what you want out of a Florida vacation and less of what you don't. For less lines and more unwind, come stroll down our 22 miles of white sand beaches. Here, it's less hectic and more eclectic with our weekly arts markets and vibrant outdoor mural scene. And with fresh local seafood, farm-to-table restaurants, and more than 20 local craft breweries on the Jack's Ale Trail, you'll be saying less meh and more mmm. Jacksonville, it's easier here. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.